strategist cowboy. This week we are going to match two English ales. Our first contestant is an ale called Fuller's London Pride. It's going up against an ale from the northeast of England called Newcastle Brown Ale. They are in the same weight class. Both are English beers with a 4.7% ABV. Fuller, Smith & Turner Public Limited Company is a regional family brewery in London, Great Britain. The company was founded in 1845. The brewery beers are exported to about 80 countries worldwide. Wide. The, the biggest markets abroad was in 2014, Russia and Sweden. Fuller's London Pride consists of only water, malted barley and hops. This ale got its name from a flower that survived and even thrived in the streets of the bombed blocks of London during Blitzen in the early 1940s. London Pride was awarded the title Champion Beer of Britain First Class, Best Bitter, at the Canberra Gala in 1979, and then again in 1995. London Pride has in the drought beer variant an ABV of merely 4.1%, but the bottle has got a 4.7% ABV as mentioned. The bottle contains 33 centiliters, i.e. About, about 11 liquid ounces. This ale is said to best be served at the normal 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. How about the experience then? The color is uh, dark apple juice color. It's not very clear. It's a little bit uh, feculent, I think. A little bit feculent. And um, aroma. Aroma, hmm. It's uh, 
this is almost orange in its color actually it's like uh, it's not very clear or amber like perhaps uh, I think uh, it it doesn't smell very much there's not a very large aroma on it and the foam is not very rich it disappears quickly too so it's only left with a ring on the top of the beer a small ring after only a few seconds taste oh it's um bitterness uh, orange peel yes a very strong orange peel or citrus peel of some kind it's a uh, it's rich It's not, uh, I don't sense much yeast in it, but it's an ale, so it shouldn't. Taste on your palate. This is a very bitter beer, for sure. Sweetness, uh, I don't think it's sweet, no. It's bitter. Is it candy-like? No, I don't think so. Not at all. Spices. I, I sense something, but it could also be the bitterness, the, the very accentuated bitterness. Undertone. Well, Peels, lemon peels, or or no, uh, orange peels. Carbonation level. It's not uh, well carbonated. It's carbonated, but it's not very noticeable. It could be because of the bitter taste. I, I, that I don't sense it, sense it, and it's uh, of course not a stout, so creaminess, no. And then I would, I would say about uh, it's not acidic. Not sour. Are there any aberrations? No, no, I don't think so. What about grading then? 
I'll get back to you about uh, the aftertaste, but the grading of this beer. It's a little bit too bitter for me, for my taste, but uh, it's a good beer. I say, I say that about most beers, but actually they, the standard on beers at Sustainable in Sweden is pretty high actually. But it can be low also. If it's a Swedish beer, they don't care if it's... A, I don't know what kind of uh, lousy beer they sell, but sometimes they sell it because they're Swedish, not because they taste good. But uh, the foreign beers are pretty good. I, uh, I will give it... Uh, since I don't like this much bitterness in beer, I, I, I think I will give it a... Let me think a minute. I give it six devils out of ten possible. I would give it seven, but uh, I could even have given it more than seven if I had liked uh, the combination. I, I mean, um, the bitterness in it. A little bit too bitter for my taste so um, if I if I liked bitter I could have graded it an 8 I think but uh, I don't like that bitter so I give it six devils out of ten possible in the aftertaste it's bitter fresh and uh, orange peely I think I think it's gonna linger along for a while here this flavor or a taste on my taste buds before I go on to my next beer I'm gonna correct myself I said that ales should not be yeasty of course ales are often yeasty I, I meant uh, lager but I, I was I misworded it. So our next contestant is Newcastle Brown Ale. Brown Ale is originally a collective name for darker ale from England. An English brown ale is dark brown to light brown. They usually distinguish between the southern ale and the northern ale. The southern brown ales tend to be darker, sweeter and more candy-like than the northern brown ales, which tend to be more dry with a bitter hop and nuttiness flavor. The difference is in a historical context explained by the different water qualities in different regions. Newcastle Brown Ale was created by World War, World War I veteran Colonel James Herbert Porter, a third-generation brewer. He worked with the recipe for Newcastle Brown Ale for a period of three years to find that special flavor they call Newcastle Brown Ale. When the beer was introduced in 1928, it immediately won victories at the prestigious International Brewery Awards. Today Newcastle Brown Ale is owned by Heineken. The name Newcastle Brown Ale reveals some of its origin. 
the sponsoring of the soccer team Newcastle United. In the south of England, Newcastle Brown Ale, or any Newcastle Ale, is called Newkey. Newcastle Brown Ale has got many nicknames. Newcastle Brown Ale is in the fourth in the northeast of England, sometimes called Dog, because the guys in that area used the walk of their dog as an excuse to go to the pub without telling their mate what they are up to. Lol. That's funny. It too has got a 4.7% ABV. It consists of water, malted barley, glucose syrup, barley hops and hop extract. Other information says that the ingredients are barley malt, wheat and hops, but it does not say so on the bottle. I don't know what, how that is connected. The beer sort is said to best be served at normal 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. How about the experience then? It smells almost like a stout. Well, this beer is dark, very dark. I can barely see my fingers through the glass. Red, brownish, in the in its color. Got a, a sweet sensation uh, in uh, the aroma, and the foam is the foaminess is just as low as in the former beer, actually, but it doesn't disappear just as quickly. Anyway. The taste. Uh, uh, I'd say uh, the bottle is uh, clear. Actually, the bottle is clear. But uh, the taste on the on the beer is uh, one moment sweet. The foam has already disappeared. It's only a ring around the glass uh, on the top of the beer. Small ring. It disappeared already. Bitter sweet. Dried fruit, it's, it tastes of dried fruit. 
honey-like or um, at least uh, I think it's a little bit sweet not uh, disturbingly but it's also bitter and uh, yeasty is a yeasty uh, let's say let's let's just say that it's less yeasty than the former beer is it rich it all it's it's also less rich than the former beer bitterness bitter taste on your palate on my palate it's a uh, kind of bitter not as bitter as the former beer but almost just as bitter it's not candy like it's got a fruitiness over it also here I sense uh, lemon peel uh, I mean uh, orange peel and it's spiced uh, I'm, I could be spiced but I don't know I don't know what spices is in that's in it if there are any undertone um, sweet undertone uh, honey like uh, yeah and uh, bitterness over it carbonation level is fairly low not very but well normal actually almost almost normal and it's not creamy of course uh, of course and of course but it's not the aftertaste is uh, this this beer is a little bit lighter in its t in its uh, body sorry it's not acidic and i don't sense any aberrations there shouldn't be anyway aberrations in beer are almost certainly bad for the taste it's uh, bread like a bit perhaps I don't know I don't like to use uh, too many words when I describe a beer the main character is uh, those I have uh, staked up like a color aroma foam taste richness yeasty taste on your palate sweetness bitterness candy like fruitiness spices undertone carbonation level creaminess aftertaste and acidic or not and aberrations those are the marked uh, markers i use 
if I wanted to, I could add or distract or di uh, I could add or take away uh, some uh, uh, markers. But those are the ones I have chosen. What about grading? I'd say um, I finished that beer. I'd give it uh, one moment. Five or six devils out of ten possible. Uh, I think I give it uh, six devils also for this one. Maybe five. I on a good day six. On a bad day five devils. That's the way it is. That's the way the cookie crumbles. And. Um, I like the aftertaste better on this one, actually. It's not that uh, uh, more distinct. It's more beer-like in the aftertaste. I like that uh, normal beer aftertaste more than I like the bitterness of some beers in the aftertaste. I, I don't, I don't like it very particularly much. So this one is okay in the aftertaste, whilst the former was maybe not that uh, good. This week's tactical lesson, air defense systems. In order to get sufficient precision when battling aircraft at distances longer than about 20 kilometers, i.e. 12 plus miles, the air defense missile must be equipped with a target finder. Different air defense missiles have specific types of target finders. I mention here four different types of missiles, all with a special variant of target seeker. MIM-23 Hawk with a semi-active radar target finder. A fire guidance radar on the ground illuminates the target throughout the missile's runtime. The missile's radar receiver and target finder guides the missile towards the target by tracking the radar reflections from the target. Semi-active radar is a weather-independent system. Aster 30 with an active radar target finder. The radar is integrated in the missile itself. In theory, such a system has a fire-and-forget capability but the missile's radar has a short range and often needs to be guided from a ground-based radar until it is at a distance of one to two miles from the target. Active radar is a weather-independent system. Irish TSL with a passive IR target finder. The missiles seek towards the target's heat radiation. Modern target seekers are image-generated, which makes them difficult to interfere. It's called IIR, or Image Infrared. 
These systems also need some guiding from the ground during the firing process before the missile's own target finder gets close enough to detect the target. Passive IR target seekers are weather-dependent systems. RBS-70 The missile is controlled after launch with the aid of a guiding beam generated by a laser transmitter which is aimed at the target. The sensor receiving the laser beam on the missile is located in the rear of the fuselage. Okay. Normally, a combat aircraft flies at Mach 0.8 to 0.9 at 10,000 meters altitude, but does not have to do so. You always measure an aircraft's altitude in meters. Deal with it. The speed of an attack aircraft also varies depending on the phase of the mission in which it is located. If the target is an attack aircraft, it behaves like this in its various phases during a mission. Approach with an attack aircraft equals travel distance. The pilot flies economically. Attack equals enforcing takes place at high speed up to the point where the attack is started and the unloading slash firing of weapons takes place. Flying out equals follows on the attack slash unloading of weapons takes place at high speed. Return flight to base equals follows on the flying out takes place at economic speed. Air defense systems can be used against UAVs of the types MAV and STUAS. The sensor systems are somewhat limited in themselves and by the environment, and thus the possible localizations of the air defense missiles may also be limited. This in relation to the performance and cost effectiveness of fairly cheap cruise missiles means that the stronger attacker always dominate over a defense-based armed force when the aggressors use cruise missiles in repeated attack waves. That is why a defending country has to procure its own long-range cruise missiles in order to achieve an offensive effect. The problem is that it is extremely difficult to locate and attack platforms for cruise missiles and even ballistic missiles before they have been able to relocate. The time for a system to deploy and fire off a missile is from March to fired missile around 16 minutes. It would require several different satellite sensor types, SAR, IR, and signal intelligence satellites, including linking UAS, to even have a chance at it. And then it can only be followed out after enemy firing, and probably only if the hostile platform does not relocate. We are therefore forced to hit fixed installations, such as the Baltic Fleet Base in Kaliningrad, an aviation control tower, 
runways, power plants, swish gears, etc. But that is important enough. Support vessels and warships that are not yet at sea are also possible targets. In order for us to have the opportunity to fight back, we must have the ability to respond to the first waves of enemy cruise missiles and ballistic missiles, which have our runways and aircrafts, etc. as targets. The first wave is the most acute and the most difficult to survive. This requires warning. We also need more wartime aviation roadbound bases to continue the war after the first hostile waves. Thank you. Oh, thank you.